Hey guys, welcome to Smart Woman Read Romance, a book review podcast where we fangirl over all things romance. I'm Jessen. And I'm Juliet. And today we're going to be doing a mini-sode on Bridgerton Season 2. <laughs> yes, finally, we're going to review the whole damn thing. But before we dive into that, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform and please rate and review us. If you want more romance discussions, follow us on our social media pages at SWReadRom, join our Facebook group, The Spoon Zone, and follow my YouTube channel at Justin Reads Romance. If you'd like some podcast extras, become a patron of the podcast on Patreon, Patreon, where we have extra content, including exclusive episodes and give away free enamel pins, stickers, books, and bookmarks. Social shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for the support. Yes. Okay, guys, we're finally here for Bridgerton. <laughs> we are here. <laughs> we are here to talk about it. Yes, <laughs> it might seem like it's been a while since it's been out, but you know what? Not everybody got to watch it right yeah. when it came out. Not everybody was as lucky as me to be able to binge it that same day. <laughs> Including me, who had to wait like two fucking weeks. <laughs> Torture. Juliet had to wait a little while before she was able to watch it. <sighs> yeah. So, and then um, obviously she just couldn't like binge it straight like I could. Um, like normal people, you know? <laughs> it's so crazy because it's usually the reverse, but you had a little break in I your I had a break. It, schedule, it fell. So. The, the release of season two fell during a break during school. So right. So it was just – it. Turned out perfect, and I was for like me. chasing my deadline, yeah. and I couldn't it stop writing. For you. I was like, I, know, I, was you. like <laughs> I was like, if I stop writing now, I will literally put everything aside to watch Bridgerton, and then yeah, I'll be behind. So I couldn't. So, but yeah. Before now we here. get into season two itself, like the actual episodes and what we think about it, because we're going to talk about our opinions on you know how well was the Viscount who loved me <laughs> adapted to. The small screen, I guess you would say, to Netflix. Right. Because we have done The Viscount Who Loved Me on this podcast. We've yes. already reviewed this book. It was one of our, like, I think it was our episodes. It was one of our very first ones. Yes. Because we love Kate and Oh, Anthony. my God. We're yes. absolutely in love with their story. So we had some high expectations. But before we get into the actual episodes, let's talk about, like, the lead up to Bridgerton Season 2. So, obviously, there was just... An amazing response to season one. Oh yeah, itself. Yeah, like the yeah. world. Daphne and Simon took over the internets, like, as they say. They named celebrities <laughs> were like, "This is my favorite show." Like it was great. Right. It was great, and we love to see it because it just calls attention to the romance genre. Exactly. Like, yeah, we have stuff to offer. Exactly. And of course, it was a little bit different from the books, but I think the spirit of the book was in season one, right? And it was just really enjoyable, and I really loved it. And then. When season two is announced, there's a little bit of an outcry because the actor who plays Simon decided not to return. And (laughs) his reasons are valid, though, when you think about it, because the showrunners are developing the seasons to focus on each Bridgerton's Each different couple, right. Now, I don't know if every Bridgerton is going to have a full season dedicated to it because... Some of the stories in the series overlap. Right. We've, we've gotten a lot of Penelope Colin, you know, foreshadowing in both the first season and the second one. Right. So. And like Eloise's love story kind of develops at the same time that Colin and Penelope is mm-hmm. developing as well. Like there's just right. a lot of, of things happening on top of each other that I think in the Netflix adaptation – in the future, we could see, like, season three maybe not focusing on one Bridgerton romance, but maybe two. Or at least right. developing the second romance more than they have right. in the past. Right. Because it really wasn't developed. Like, season one, they were not trying to develop Kate's. Yeah. And the, in the first Kate's, one, like, it was all about Simon and Daphne. Right. Exactly. You know? like, it, Kate and Anthony, their story they was, were like, center stage. Not, yeah, not even in the periphery right. at all, you know? They Which was develop, fine by me. They it had was to a, develop a fake storyline for Anthony a, being in love with the opera singer, which yeah. it was kind of real from the books, but he was never in love with her. So I had a bone to pick with that. Right, right. <laughs> from we season have, well, one. You know, from we're, season one, I We're a bit like of purists, it. so sometimes our feelings get in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so anyway, we had high expectations going into season two. Mm-hmm. And I have to say... Um, watching like the trailers for mm-hmm. season two, I was loving it. I was oh, like, damn, look. this looks good. Me I'm like, this looks too. really fantastic. I really love the acting going on. Like, there was a few 
things that were happening in season one that I didn't particularly love about Jonathan Bailey playing um, Anthony because I felt like he wasn't true to Anthony's character in season one. I felt like in the books, Anthony's character, he's a great big brother. Right. He's very supportive. Very. In fact, Daphne is encouraged to turn down suitors when she gets – she does – Daphne is not <laughs> this person who is being snubbed by society as she was in season one of Bridgerton. She actually has received proposals, but she's holding out for love. And her brother, who is head of the family, he – I mean, sad to say, I mean, he did have the final say, but he was just like, yeah, turn him down. If you don't Anthony love him, turn is, him down. So this is how I saw – Anthony has always been sort of the sacrificial lamb, you yeah. know? Like, he does everything for family. And – the one thing that I did love about season two is actually my favorite thing was the opening few episodes that went into the backstory of him and showed what his life is like, right. how much high pressure he is under to lead this family in lieu of his father, who is what, you know, who's gone too soon. Right. And I think that they had to do that though, because in season one, they made him almost unbearably asshole Yeah, he was towards big Daphne asshole. and yes. towards his mom to Violet, yes. which doesn't happen in the books, I will say. His <laughs> right. attitude does not, that does, that's not a thing. He's protective of his sister, right. absolutely, because he thinks that his friend is just compromising his sister, so he's obviously getting prote- protective over Daphne in the books, but in the show, he was just being so pig-headed, trying to force her into marriage that she didn't want, right. and talking to his mom like she was just In the like, book, he never disrespe- no, disrespected never his disrespect mother. Violet Mm-mm. at all. Anyway, so in season two, like Juliet says, the first couple episodes really were fantastic. So let's talk oh. about episode one, what it does for Anthony. First of all, we have the debut of Eloise, which I thought was funny because oh my god, I died, Daphne. died they're laughing. Really, they're, which okay, so this I will say it's very different from the books because in the show. They're kind of comparing Daphne and Eloise. Right. Eloise is the next oldest this contrast in, sister. in sisters. Right. And Daphne was all about like the debut and going to balls mm-hmm. and finding the perfect match and all that jazz. And in the show, Eloise is very anti-marriage. She's like, I don't know why we have to be paraded like peacocks. She's a bit of like, a blue stocking. Yes. You know? She's just like, absolutely not. This is stupid. In the books, Eloise actually likes going to balls <laughs> and she is holding out for love but right. they changed her character a little bit okay so it's very funny when it's eloise's turn to debut and she's just not excited about it <laughs> it's at all. hilarious and they're all at the door is she in there is she coming out and like yeah. 10 huffy maids come out like they're so put out of having to put her together like she's difficult because you know that she fought every inch of she did. And she comes out in her little And she looks beautiful. She looks beautiful, but she has this fruity feather and she's like, if one of you says a word. My like, favorite was in in so the carriage funny. and like her Daphne and her mom were talking about how, you know, you need a curtsy and you need to um focus on a spot, like don't look like down or anything, or right. you lose your balance and stuff like that. And like Eloise is starting to hyperventilate in the carriage and she's just like <laughs> Oh my god. Like, it's so funny. like I don't want to do this. I really think it's funny what they've done with Eloise's it was character really to a fun- point. It yeah. was it, to a point, I will say that. Eloise's character is a bit of comedic relief for the she most part. She is. Very the most much. Part, very much. What they're doing with their character is for comedic relief a lot of the time. Well, until the end of the season. Yeah. Well, I got we'll, fucking we'll get to that bad. fiasco. But, yeah. But, of course, we have um, the role of Lady Whistledown in mm, the show. It's a little yeah. bit changed because I feel like in the show, they have made it a point to really pit Lady Whistledown against Queen Charlotte. Right. And in the books, Queen Charlotte doesn't exist like we just obviously she exists right she is but she's not she's figure, not an actual character not a in character the story she never shows the up. queen never shows up at the ball there's no debuts in front of the queen <laughs> at all no. the ton is just having their balls and the queen never shows up at any of these balls mm-hmm. so it's not a thing so they manufactured a little storyline to make lady whistle down a little bit more relevant than she is in the books because like i adversary. will say mm-hmm. in the books the only thing we really see about Lady Whistledown is snippets of her society papers at the beginning of each chapter. Just little snippets right. of, like, either things to come in the chapter or things that happened in the previous chapter. It's very small. And maybe our characters talk about her, like, oh, we were mentioned and she didn't like Penelope's gown last night because, oh, she did look like a singed daffodil or whatever. <laughs> so, like, Lady Whistledown is actually not 
Her identity and the race to find Lady Whistledown is not a thing in the books. So, so they've made right. it a thing. Right. So there's just like some minor differences between the show and the book so far going into season two. Now, season two, episode one, one of my favorite things that happens after Eloise's debut is Anthony is just kind of like, okay, I'm ready to get married. Like, I'm ready to do the deed. I'm oh ready God. to settle down and be serious. But, like, love is absolutely not a requirement. And I love how <laughs> I love how Benedict's kind of like, okay, well, like, what? You have a list? Like, what's on this list? <laughs> and Anthony's like, she has to be tolerable, dutiful, suitable hips for childbearing, at least half a brain, not a requirement, <laughs> but preference. And I'm like, this oh, dude, God. he's so... I love Jonathan Bailey's delivery of this line because, yeah. like, it's so perfect and spot on. Like, he's focused on, like, I need a wife who's going to run yeah. my states, bear my children. If she's smart, that's a plus. But it's not necessarily necessary. But also, know? I thought that was very – that was very in line with the books. Book Anthony. Book Anthony was very practical. He is a pragmatic man. In the you book, know? I think they're at his club. And Colin and Bridger and Colin and Bridgerton. Colin and Ben <laughs> Benedict. Ha, fuck. Colin and Benedict. <laughs> Too much eight one eight. Colin and Benedict are just sitting around talking about like the diamond of the season. And I think Anthony was just like, Well, who is considered the diamond of the season mm-hmm. like right now? And they're like, Oh, well, there's that new girl, Edwina and yeah. Edwina um Sheffield. And in the book, Anthony was just kinda like Cool. I'll marry her. I'll take has her. Has not even looked at her. Doesn't even know what she it looks like. It has already said that at the next ball, I will be introduced. And she, if I like the way that she looks and the way that she speaks, she'll probably make a good duchess. Yeah. Uh, not a duchess. A viscountess. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's how he picks her in the book. So one of the one of my favorite <laughs> funny moments was the montage we get of him first signing, Perfection. dealing with his day-to-day books, dealing with his family interviewing uh, young debutantes, sleeping with whores, dropping the money on the book, and then starting all over again. It was so fucking funny. And to me, it was like, this is Anthony. This is Anthony. Like, I 100% was like, okay, I'm loving this. I did, because, like, the book Anthony, he's from page one, he's all about duty. Yes. All about, you know, living up to his father's image because his father was a good man. He was very honor-bound. good husband. Mm -hmm. And a great father, like very right. involved, right. because we already know, like a lot of the parents in the ton are not involved in their children's lives. Right. They have nannies, but not Violet and Edmund. They were they were right. great parents to their children, and that's why Anthony was so affected by the death of his father, which they didn't go into in season one at all. But like we said, they really dig deep into Anthony's oh, backstory. Y'all, though, I one. I was bawling in the first couple of episodes yeah. when they did the flashbacks of Edmund. And I think it and was really m- necessary to oh, show man. the pressure that Anthony was under. Because, well, that was the reason the, he he decided I'm never marrying for love. I'm never going to do this to my wife. You know, I'm just going to have we will care for each other, but I'm not going to fall in love. Right. You know? And his motivations, his conflict is tad bit different in the show but they kept i feel like they kept the core of his conflict mm-hmm. in there which was really great i agree um and <laughs> i love how after you know he meets edwina um well first of all there was a scene where he's in the drawing room and he just asks his mom he's like talking about the accounts like oh i'll be needing to go to this is this, this and by the way i need the um your ring mom i need your ring and violet's <laughs> like um what? Wait, what 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 do you mean you what do you mean found you mean? a wife and he's like well not yet but like i, I but pretty soon i anticipate that i will find her soon and she's like anthony <laughs> like I want you to marry for love. And he was like, that's not necessary. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Just get that ring ready for me. Get that ring ready. (laughs) So I really, I really just love Anthony's characterization, especially in the first three episodes. Yeah, me too. Fucking great. Okay, so the meet cute. Let's talk about the meet cute between Kate and Anthony because it is different from the book. In the book, and we will be comparing a lot to the book because that's who we are. We're book readers. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) In the book, they're at a ball. Yeah. And it is known that if anybody wants to court Edwina, you know, she really values the opinion of her sister, Yes, she's the gatekeeper. Yes. Okay. And so Mary, the stepmother... Knows this, and she's just like, Kate, don't be too harsh on people or whatever. And she's like, mm, 
Yeah, Edwina whatever. deserves the best, and I will be vetting these people. <laughs> Colin actually is introduced to Kate first, and when she when he finds out that Kate doesn't have a very high opinion of Anthony just because of his rakish reputation, mm-hmm. he's just like, I have got to get these two together because it's going to be hilarious when she sets my brother down because Anthony is not used to having women, like, not fawn over him. So I right. love how Con- Colin in the book – pretends to anthony that oh she's just a spinster and she's dying to meet you like she will not like she would just bow at your feet you're such a you know just go meet her it'll be (laughs) smooth sailing and when anthony goes meet kate she is just like looking down her nose at him and like she is kind of a little bit rude to him (laughs) and i love it because it's like the initial meeting Anthony's just kind of like, what the fuck is this? And like, why isn't she kowtowing to me? Yes, like, <laughs> is this a challenge? Challenge accepted. <laughs> like, come to the come to the dance floor with me. And she's like stepping on his feet, and it's great. It's great because it's contentious from the yeah. very first. Yeah. Well, in the show, Anthony's actually going writing. He's he's doing the walk of shame from his brothel. Yeah. And one then of his he recent. Sees this person, this woman, flying down a pathway on a horse and he thinks maybe she's in trouble and oh no yeah. there's a hedge right ahead please slow down all let, that let me save her yes let me save her she needs saving but then he's impressed with her because he's like damn because she, she leaps it and she looks back and she's like huh yeah. you know <laughs> i don't so, need you initial reaction from the meet cute i was like oh no it's different <laughs> i was like oh no as a book reader my heart was just kind of like I want everything to be the same. But then I was kind of like, hey, this is kind of cool. I like yeah. it. I was yeah. like, I like it. So I was on board with the different kind of meet cute because she had a little sassy comeback with him and just kind of like, look. Yeah, they had a little parlay, you know. you mm-hmm. and goodbye, not telling you my name. And Anthony could see in his face, he's just like, damn. Because like he has been through, like you said, interviewing all these women where he's been so bored by them. Yeah, Scratching out from his notebook being like, absolutely not. And then all of a sudden there's this <laughs> random woman who he's never met before and he was like wow she's interesting yeah and, and who's also like, just telling him yeah back off dude i'm mm-hmm. just on my morning I, I ride I, I can handle it i do this all the time <laughs> and refusing to give her name yep. you know so Absolutely of course love it. so it was it was a very cool i thought it was a really cool way to meet i thought it was it was a sensual sexy meet mm-hmm. cute you know as opposed to the you know fire and brimstone <laughs> of the book right um, and then we have the ball later on that lady ba- danbury is throwing and she actually sees anthony and she's kind of like oh my god that's the guy that I that's saw. that guy you can see that she has a little bit of interest in him and she actually follows anthony out to the terrace and he ends up by talking to these people we i, I would say friends but like we don't even know who they are they're so. all bachelors just bachelors, talking about just talking how about the season and mamas yeah making yeah all like seeking them for husbands for their daughters and you know they're yes. all very arrogant and cocky so and doing full of themselves stupid guy talk yes and <laughs> kate overhears now this is kind of in place of the scene where i kind of really wanted it to happen in season two but i was also very hesitant this was one of the things when i made my video about like what do i expect of season two um there was one thing where i was like okay i kind of want the scene where kate in the book ends up in Anthony's study during a ball, during the Bridgerton ball. Mm -hmm. And she has to hide under his desk because he's meeting with his former mistress, who is an opera singer, but he is not in love with her. And her name is Maria, not not a Yeah, they're just going in there to have a little tryst. And she overhears in the book how he just kind of like, I don't plan on um, stopping my extracurriculars. You know, I'm still going to probably have a mistress. I don't plan on marrying that type of thing. Well, in the show, she overhears something similar. Overhears like he's not looking for love and that's one thing that kate is looking for edwina because edwina is gorgeous and in the books she has the looks that the ton values at the moment which is like petite blonde hair blue eyes right she just has those looks in the show they kind of like i feel like it's kind of gross when you think about it that way like oh my goodness you have the coloring and the stature and the body type for this season but that's kind of what it was like looks were in fashion but you know and they were making it more modern and i feel like they kind of skirted that because that could be seen as kind of gross just like you know valuing looks above all things right and it became the whim of the queen in the show the queen was just kind of like right you're my decision you're the diamond you're the you're what's in fashion now like you're the one w the most fashionable right and it was just the whim of one person and she was mercurial so it was okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) we expected it of her 
but they really need to get Edwina married off because they don't have any funds. And right. they changed Kate's motivation in the show. So let's talk about like the motivation. Why Edwina's lack of knowledge, because it didn't seem like Edwina was aware of their money troubles. No, in she, the show. Well, she absolutely was not aware because Kate was keeping it from everyone. So apparently the um the mother's family um disowned her because she had married, you know, beneath her and then left for India. And so they had basically disowned them and they had apparently sent her a letter saying, you know, well, if Edwina marries, basically marries up, marries a nobleman, then we will take care of your mother. We will, you know, basically provide her with a dowry, provide her with a dowry like, so she can live because their her husband's died and they basically have no more income, you right. know. So it's probably my least favorite change overall from season two, just because it leads to so many different yeah. things happening in the show that maybe my least favorite things that happen in the show. Well, and I it's feel due like to Kate's motivation in the show. I agree. And I think um, because of all of that, which of course it makes sense that she would be bitter, but she is a very bitter character to me. Like, um, the portrayal of Kate in some ways, like I know it's enemies to lovers, but I feel like it was like enemies, enemies, enemies to enemies to enemies to enemies to, ah, oh, finally we're lovers. Like that was kind of like how I felt. But I know I'm, you know, not everybody agrees with me, but, you know. So the thing about it is, so Juliet, you don't like the actress's choices when it comes to Kate's character. Right. Like it wasn't like, uh, first of all, what's, who plays um Kate Sharma? Simone Ashley. She's fucking beautiful. She's gorgeous. Okay. She's Listen, First of all, no, she was stunning. Really no ugly main characters. In she was show. stunning in every single scene. However, she was so fucking angry and bitter. Like the whole time, I could count the number of times she smiled at Anthony, at least maybe twice or three times. And one was when they laughed after they fell after Paul Mall in like the mud pit, and then immediately became angry again. And then I think she smiles maybe when they're having sex or in the very, very end in the epilogue. Like it's she's angry, 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 mad enemies, enemies, enemies like the whole time. Like I never she softens sometimes, but it's like not enough for me. I needed more between them that was actually love and soft things between them. So I don't I mean, this is just different interpretations of what went down, but we basically have the same problem when it comes to Kate's portrayal, because when she was having her moments where she was vulnerable, maybe not just with Anthony, with just other people, because there's moments when she talks to Lady Danbury. I will talk about how Lady Danbury basically took the place of Mary and I didn't like it. (laughs) Um, But like she did have vulnerable moments in the show. Yeah. Maybe not specifically towards Anthony as much as we would have I will agree with that. But. When she had those vulnerable moments, I'm like, oh, she's doing such a good job. Mm-hmm. So for me, I blame the direction. I'm like, they wanted yeah. to play up that enemies to lovers so much that they made they made the dialogue and the interactions like very forceful. Yes. So for example, when Anthony, after the horse race, he decides to gift Edwina a horse without really understanding that Edwina's really not into horses. She likes, you know, dogs. Right. And Kate is the <laughs> one who's more interested in horses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when he comes to deliver it to the house, Kate sees him pulling up in the drive and beats everyone to it towards the um and whenever she's interacting with Anthony, she's basically like leave take that you're absolutely not welcome and it's just like you don't in society you don't behave that way right and if you don't like somebody you're more subtle about it right it's called right it's like and that's what's so great about julia quinn because she has these witty little digs because you have to learn how to be <laughs> impolite to somebody while still seemingly it's, it's a little passive aggressive it's very passive aggressive but with humor you know yes, and biting the sarcasm made it a lot more blatant it, yes. and so i felt like it lacked the subtlety like the enemies part lacked the subtlety in the show I, that's i 100 agree with you it's actually not, it's not yeah. about like the enemies because they did yeah. but it was more private and personal and to yeah. themselves like they were still trying to outwardly project like yes everything's fine with us we're, we're getting along but like really they weren't and the that's softest, what the book was doing i agree like the softest most intimate moments with kate were with lady danbury and like 
some with her sister. And by the way, I love the actress who played Edwina. And so, and here's the problem with me. Like I saw, so there's a moment in, in this, I can't remember which episode, but Edwina, Edwina and Anthony are on the chase lounge and he, she's talking about how she loves to read and he hates to read. And she said, this is perfect. I can tell you about the books that I read. And they have this like romantic interlude where I'm almost like like episode four or something like that. I literally was like, is Anthony actually going to marry Edwina? Is that what's happening? Cause like I could see a bonding happening between them that I was not seeing with Kate. And it was just frustrating. So let's to talk me. about the main problem with this show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about it. So, and I do want to circle back to like Anthony and uh like Edmund's death and stuff like that. But yes. let's talk about like since we're on the subject of the changes, and it's mostly to do with Edwina and Kate and that whole situation. I think the main problem that they that they did was they made it a love triangle. Yes. And I will tell yes. you that though Edwina, Kate, and Anthony have something to do with the plot in book two in The Viscount Who Loved Me, it is not, in fact, a love triangle. It is not. At, at all. It was never a love triangle. Edwina is never interested in Anthony. Never. She is being the dutiful daughter and listening she to this. She has multiple suitors in the yes. book. Yes. And she even she falls for not someone else. Set on, she is not set on Anthony at all. In fact... Anthony comes to call on her and she's out with another shooter and he ends up by hanging out with Kate in the book, okay? That's how they start bonding, okay? Right. In the show, Anthony is almost her sole serious pursuer because everyone else just like – He butts everyone else out. exactly. So it's just Anthony. And in fact, in the show, they make them go to Aubrey Hall ahead of time for the party, for the Mm -hmm. um, country party. Right. That doesn't happen in the book. It's – they go when all the other guests go. Right. They're not being singled out because it's not – it's not made to seem like it's it's a house it's a party sure thing right. that Anthony and Edwina are getting married. And that's, ever what, I, in that's the book. what I loved about the books. Like it's a full house party, which means there's guests from all different families are there. It's kind of like a soiree of everyone. Of course, they always like it when couples pair up by the end, but it's not like her, the only suitor who is there is Anthony. You know, no, at this house in fact, party. like in the book, Violet had already had this plan for a long time, and Anthony was more was like, "Hey, I want you to invite, you know, Edwina and her family." Right, and she had to squeeze him in because, like, this had been planned for months. And, right, like, they arrived when all the other guests were were, and the whole scene plays out with all the guests around. You know, right. it was a very it was a group activities and stuff like that. There was no singling out of Edwina, mm-hmm. and most of the time at the house party, <laughs> Anthony's fighting his feelings for kate anyway at that point so it was just like kind of a moot point we all knew that there was no feelings between edwina and anthony right at any point but we legit we legit have that moment i thought i was going to die jessen i thought i was going to die when edwina says i love him i was like Mm -hmm. edwina loves anthony and then here's this sister, you're going to allow your sister, who you profess to love, to marry a man into a loveless marriage. How? How? And that's the thing, though, too. It was just dragged out for the sake of being dragged out. In the book, Kate and Anthony get married about halfway through. Kind of similarly to well, Daphne let's talk and about Simon. the decision that was made. It all comes back to the bee sting. Right, exactly. But what I'm saying is that's the difference between it. Like, the the way that the pacing of the show happens right, true. is that they drag out the Kate and Anthony, will they, won't they get together? Is he going right. to marry the sister instead of Kate? There's never any doubt that he's going to be with Kate, but, like, the show pushes the limits to, like, of believability. Like, how far are they going to fucking go, you know? Yeah. And they went fucking far, and we'll get to that. But in the <laughs> books... It's actually the courtship between Anthony and Edwina doesn't last very long. And then all of a sudden he's being married to Kate. And right. the other half of the book is Kate and Anthony married. And then we see the love developing and him acknowledging his feelings for the second half of the book. Because what happens in the book, you guys, if you have not read, is that that moment in the garden when there's that bee. Okay, so let's go back. His fear of bees goes back to the fact that his father died from a bee sting, went to anaphylactic shock and died from it. Episode three starts with a flashback. Look, that I was choking, sobbing, watching that episode and watching Violet hold her husband as he died. Like I literally, it was like, this is killing me. This is crushing my heart. But also I thought it was really relevant to to give us who Anthony is. So I thought it was great. So then when we get to that flash forward to the scene in the garden where the bee is coming around Kate and he's 
terrified because he already has feelings for her. He's terrified she's going to get stung. And, you know, in, in the book, he literally grabs her breast to try to get the bee sting out. And then the Mrs. Featherington and all of them stumble upon him with his hand They're on her caught. breast. They're caught with him. Right. Sucking the venom out of her breast. Collarbone area, right? But it but looks say, like a love interest. Miss Featherington keeps saying that his lips are on her bubbies, which they weren't. <laughs> but it doesn't fucking matter because what Miss Featherington says, she's going to spread far and wide. Right. The so the fact of the matter is that she was stung under her collarbone, but that's too close to the neckline. Here's the thing: this is what was so great about the book. What Julia Quinn did is like she had them marry when yes, there was this like lust attraction, but at the same time, there's still all this animosity, and yet you still have to consummate the marriage and anthony is all about i'm going to consummate this marriage i cannot wait well, this is you thing. know in like the book in the book he's struggling at that point because yeah. he's just like i have feelings for kate and like you can almost see like in that moment in the moment before she gets stung in the books she's almost going to give him permission because she was being like adamant like i don't want my sister to be in a relationship with you because right. she deserves to be loved like i believe in right. true love my parents had true love like i want right. i want her to have that and obviously you understand you have siblings like can you not understand he does he does understand her so much and the, right. there's there's that chemistry between them they had the moment in the library where they they she opened up about her past and there there's been so many instances in the book and when she's giving her permission he opens his mouth to say something, and I feel like he was already changing his mind anyway about courting Edwina. Right. Maybe not admitting his feelings about Kate, but we'll never but know because, saying, because she gets stung. But it just feels like marry. he was disappointed that she was going to give basically her permission because she couldn't find a good reason at that point. Right. Because she saw him act as a family man. He did that honorable thing in the book where he escorted Penelope into dinner after Cressido mm -hmm. was being a bitch. Yeah. So, like, she was just kind of like, he is a good guy. I can't stand in the way because I don't have any grounds to stand But see, on this, this is what happened in the book. The fate stepped in. Yes. And decided for them. And then after, he's, like, talking to her in the gazebo and he's just like, we're going to get married. It's going to be fine. And in his head, he's just going to like, okay. I can have my cake and eat it too. I know, like I'm gonna get to bed her. I'm I cannot going to sleep wait. with her. I am so excited about this because I've been lusting after this hair this and whole then time. I love that Kate but is like sort of nervous my about feelings, it. Feelings, I will keep oh them in check. God. I will so keep them in check, and I will never fall in love with her. And so, so it's good. really great in the book because it his is. conflict is that okay, I can have sexual feelings for her, but we're gonna separate the emotions, and I'm never gonna right. Have that. I will never fall in love with her because yeah. that's ridiculous. But in the show, in the show, it's 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 not portrayed that way for the most part and then edwina is the one who loses i felt i felt so my my heart was so broken for they edwina that she was betrayed by her sister of and anthony yes they made kate more of a yes. villain and she didn't need to be i agree so one, one of my i was just i hate to be like the books did it better and you should just follow the book because it seems like it's the complaint of every reader who watches an adaptation <laughs> but seriously i was just like Julia Quinn already solved all your problems and then you created <laughs> new ones yeah. with not good yeah. solutions. So my solution was that instead of having the whole dowry thing being questioned and Mary being disowned by her family, that was never a thing in the in, in the in the books. Right. In the books, they were just very reliant on Edwina making a good match because they saved all their money to go to London. And it was just kind of like, we know that Edwina could make a good match. She's right. gorgeous. And Kate is sort of like, you know, on the shelf, quote unquote. Yeah. You know? And she's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about me. Right. I'll be the spinster and I'll be fine. And Edwina feels the pressure in the books. Edwina knows she has to marry well because the life of her mother and her sister is in her hands. Right. In fact, in the books, she has a love interest that she never tells anybody about right. because she knows she can't marry him because he's like he's the a, second son and right. he doesn't have he doesn't a big have the money he doesn't have a money he's a scholar but they've secretly been corresponding this whole time and she wishes she could marry him but she's like oh shit I can't right. anyway I'm gonna have to marry somebody that I don't technically love maybe I can have a happy marriage so she's making the sacrifice in the books yes and Kate doesn't even know that Edwina feels this way right because okay? they're she's trying to show she's trying Edwina's to be like trying to be the good marry. sister yeah. good daughter Kate's like we will make Make sure that I know this is a terrible situation that you have to be the one to make the sacrifice for our family and marry well because obviously I can't. I'm too old mm -hmm. and I'm not in fashion. I'm too tall. I'm too, you know, I have dark right. hair, whatever. <laughs> All that jazz. And 
she is unaware that Edwina is actually in love with somebody and is going to make the sacrifice and marry even though that right. she, she, she doesn't has want found to. her one true love. Right. She never tells that to Kate until after the fact, okay? Which is really great. It could have been a great conflict if we saw Edwina meet somebody. Can you imagine that? Knowing that if we'd had this sort of like backstory going yes. on. And like Edwina struggling in the background, trying to be the, you know, sacrificial lamb, you right. know, and it being just kind of like, oh shit, if they only knew, like if they only knew if Kate could just marry Anthony and that would have been great tension. But instead, all of the, all of the angst that we get is that Anthony is a fucking asshole proposing when he realizes he loves Kate. What does he do? He proposes to Edwina. Like, to me, that is the biggest dick move I've but ever also, seen. But also, it's not even all on Anthony because <sighs> after that, he goes to Kate and he's like, I can break off the engagement. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that this would be a miserable marriage. You don't want her to be married to me whenever I'm going to be thinking about you the whole time. Right. And then she's like, no, you have to marry her. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, it'll break her heart. Like, you have to marry her anyway. And then he tells Edwina, okay, we can marry and we'll send your sister far, far away and never see her again. I'm well, like, that was a dick move. Like, but also, I mean, like... <sighs> It was on Kate because she yeah. forced him to she go did. back. She so did. So it was both of them. It was the show making them make horrible decisions. Yeah, exactly. To prolong I just, yeah. this love triangle that shouldn't have even existed. And, and the Period. sad thing is, like, Edwina admitted that she loved him. I'm like, she loves him? That was the biggest mistake. I was like, what? Is making Edwina have feelings for Anthony. Because, like I said, it made Kate the villain. The whole, it did. Okay, the whole wedding episode... First of all, I was just kind of like, I can't believe it's happening. I'm like, she's in a wedding dress. She's walking down the aisle. I know. Like, it's, it's, she's going down the aisle. I'm like, I what know. is going to happen for it to not happen? Like, what, what What could possibly be the reason for it to not happen? And it was for Edwina to realize. Edwina finally cluing in. And honestly, this is a little bit funny later on in the next episode after that when um, they're in the drawing room kind of trying to figure out how to um, avoid the scandal after the fact, after right. the wedding doesn't go ahead. And Edwina's in the drawing room and <laughs> – Kate's trying to get Newton to stop jumping on Anthony, and they both look at each other. And Edwina's like, was I that blind the whole time? Yeah. And like, yes, you fucking were. Yes, you were. Okay, this is my problem as well. They made Edwina not smart. And in the books, yeah. she's so smart. Like, they made her She was sweet, young but naive, smart like in, young, in the books. Like, naive, right. She was just like, she wasn't that, she, not all there. Uh, she just did not pay attention to her And she was just rolled over by these two, and who were just like, you know. The reason why... I'm saying that is because you compare Edwina being around, Kate and Anthony, observing their antics, not thinking a thing about them. In fact, encouraging Kate to go hunting with all the men so that they can bond, okay? Then, yeah. at the same time, we see <laughs> Daphne coming in from her country estate, and all of a sudden, she's giving Kate and Anthony the side eye. Daphne, the whole time in the show, knows something's fucking going on from the yes, get-go at yes. Aubrey Hall, she's literally like, what the fuck? Like, looking at them like something's going on. That's right. She and Edwina even library. bows out of Paul Mall and says, no, you go and get to know my sister and whatever. So it's like Edwina's constantly, like, thrusting them together. Unknowingly, you know? because she doesn't understand they have feelings. At the same time, when Kate and Anthony are walking into the forest, Daphne's watching them, like, being like, huh. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, okay, if someone else can see... Yeah. And she can't. I'm like, it's on her. Like, she, right. they, the showrunners made her be very unobservant when it comes right. to Kate and Anthony. And it wasn't a great thing. It wasn't a great thing. No. Okay. So, briefly, I do want to talk about how, because obviously we're foca- focusing on Kate and Anthony because that's the most important part. <laughs> but briefly, I do want to focus on how they made Lady Danbury a more prominent figure. First in season one, because she's not related to Simon at all. Right. In season one. They made her a more prominent figure that way. In season two, they make her the sponsor for... For the Asharmas. For the Sharmas. Mm -hmm. In the book, she doesn't know them. Right. (laughs) At all. Yeah. They're just making their debut by themselves. And one of my big problems, because I loved the portrayal in the book of this, you know, this unconventional family... Kate is the stepdaughter of Mary, and Edwina's mm-hmm. the half-sister who's prettier. Right. Kate is not envious of Edwina being gorgeous, and she loves Edwina, like, with yes. her whole heart. Yes. She also has a really great relationship with Mary and considers her her mother, you know, because she's mm-hmm. been her mother since she was, like, four years old. Right. And I loved how 
Mary is so concerned because Kate keeps saying like, oh no, we're focusing on Edwina. Like, I don't have a chance. And Mary's like, no, I want you to have love and get married too. Like, I want you to have all the things. Like, it's not just about Edwina. And she keeps trying to tell this to Kate. And I love the relationship because it's just like so many times, not even just in romance, we always see like the step-parents be very cliche. Right. And be evil and favor their own children against like the stepchildren. And that's not how it turns out in the book. It's such a great relationship. And instead of getting that great relationship in the show, we get every just emotional moment that Kate should be having. It's with Lady Danbury, a stranger. And Mm -hmm. it's just, Mm -hmm. I understand like the showrunners want her to be a prominent figure, but Lady Danbury in the show is not Lady Danbury in the book. Lady Danbury in the book is way older and she's almost like seen in society as a little bit cuckoo, but also don't fuck with her because she'll like stab you with her cane. Right. Um, in the show, she's very regal. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. All the advice that Lady Danbury gets gives to Kate, I'm like, I wish that it was Mary. Yeah. It's just so sad. I was just like, why? Why is this happening? I just didn't love it. I didn't love it. I also didn't love how the parents were being super matchmakery. Like it was them sitting while everybody was playing pow mow and they're just like oh, we're such good matchmakers it turned out so well in season one like we'll do it again yeah we just know <laughs> we just know everything and these two crazy kids are gonna get together and like you're pairing the wrong people God. right exactly and in the in the in the book violet already has an inkling that anthony is actually attracted to kate <laughs> yeah and kind of actually makes him go in the garden when kate's looking in the gardens like mm-hmm. hey why don't you go the gardens are lovely right now and then he runs it to kate and she and, and anthony that was the like, whole is my scene, mom is my mom trying to match make us like no he she knows that i wanted weena i'm like violet sharp in the books and i'm just yeah. like, Ugh, i'm missing that i'm missing that so much so okay so we agree that the wedding scene was a disaster yeah and it just went on and on and on i literally <laughs> felt like it was 10 episodes by it itself was so long um, i was so mad and look and i will say that i loved the episodes with violet and anthony though like i said like i just look all the flashbacks to her like giving birth without Edmund and him having to make a decision like who to save his mother or the child you know and thankfully they both survived obviously the childbirth but it's just like these moments were so heavy well I think you know and they were really important to make Anthony more empathetic yeah and I I thought it was great you saw his face when everyone's asking him questions he's just kind of like trying to look for somebody to tell him what to do yes nobody's there his dad is dead the one to make the decision at the moment like mm-hmm. he has nobody to tell him what to do and he has to be the one right like when she's wailing decision. on the stairs before she's you know giving birth to oh, Hyacinth God. and it looks like she's just like he looks like he is so despairing he's just like I just lost my father can I yeah. have a minute no I can't have a minute look he did I'm such an amazing it. acting job no it was great As all Anthony. the flashbacks are so freaking good Ugh. and whenever he's talking to Violet you know, like she is experiencing yeah. depression it's obviously not her fault yeah but he just kind of like the kids would like to see you yeah oh can you please come to dinner like it's all been on me like i don't know what to do i'm 18 like i don't know what to do and it was so great it was so great to see it because he's been feeling that pressure so long and it's just like you just want him to be happy at this point i know and have something for him and i think that they did a really good job and i loved all the flashbacks i think that that was really important because we don't really get flashbacks we have the prologue in the my face yeah my favorite moments are for the whole thing were the family moments even like toward in the last episode we have him and his youngest brother the one who um who she gave birth to such a great moment who didn't know his father at all and he's like what was he like you know and then they have this you know, older, oldest son, youngest son moment where he's like, you know, you would have loved him. And he talks about his father. Yeah, because you know? Gregory can't remember. He was too young to he remember way too young. Um, Edmund when he died. And that was such a good moment where he just like, you know, I don't talk about him. And I should mm-hmm. because I'm the one who remembers And him. Violet's listening in. Yes. Like that was so touching. I and cried during that I, oh, moment. Oh, I cried. Yo, look, I cried during that moment. Every moment I cried was with Anthony and his mom or Anthony and his brother or Anthony and his sister. Like it was Anthony and Daphne. Like all the moments I love were just with the Bridgerton family. And that's what kind of told me this wasn't winning me over is that the moments with Anthony and Kate were so vexing, you know, and then we go into that whole wedding 
debacle. I'm not even gonna call it a fiasco debacle. that I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the love that I had hoped I was going to feel for them. You know? And I think that it was one thing. Okay. So we did the whole wedding. It lasted fucking forever. And it was finally like, okay, it's not going to go through. Finally, we all knew it, but still, yes, like, you made us wait an entire still, episode thank you before confirming yes, for dragging this shit out. Oh, wait, hold on. I do want to say it was a really great moment whenever Edwina was calming down the king. That was like, that had me cheering oh, up for yeah. personal reasons. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, oh, that yeah. Was, that was a moment that was actually real during this episode. Yeah, like, the it rest was. Of it was just like stupid shit show shit. <laughs> and then we have the next episode where we're just kind of like, what are we going to do? Everyone's talking about us. And I hated that episode. Yeah. I hated the fact that it was more focused on like, oh no. The being snubbed. going to talk about us. We're going to be snubbed. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Are we talking about Violet and Lady Danbury? They're I know. Worried about being snubbed. They're like, one of the they're biggest the, they're names the queens of society of society of the time. They could give a fuck because they would go out and be like, "Hey, my sh- my son messed up, but still lick my boots." Like that's just Look, the attitude. There's okay? another thing we didn't even haven't even talked about. I don't think yet about the Bridgertons, and that is that it is almost scandalous that Violet and Edmund had so many children late into life. Like, the fact that they, they've been fucking this long and have enjoyed every fucking minute Lady of it. Whistledown loves to talk about how there's no doubt that all of Lady Bridgerton's kids are for sure for Edmund because they all look alike. In yeah. the books, they all have the like, same she's had no affairs. Hair. These they're two like, just like, love to bang. It's obvious that these two were okay? together the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. And you're right. But it's like all that is scandalous in itself. But like you said, Violet doesn't care. And still the ton respects her. They revere her as almost like a queen. You know, that she has raised these children now on her own and done such an amazing job. That's the thing about you it. Know? They really don't go into... The ton politics of it, I would right. say. Because they're just popular people in the ton. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to do with they're, oh, they're, the dukes and duchesses are duke the most or a popular. viscount or yeah, a baron or it whatever. It depends on your right. actual popularity. Right. It in, is a popularity the, in contest. In the Bridgertons, Violet Bridgerton is a very popular figure. Yes. Period. She's yes. nice and everyone wants to be in her good graces. Like she's, she's not graceful. A mean girl. She's, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's family oriented. Yes. She's um, fashionable. So she's never done anything to anybody to make them hate her. Right. So when shit happens with her family, most people are willing to look the other They'll way. Look, exactly, and that's what Period. I agree with you. That whole episode, and honestly, y'all, I'm going to tell First y'all. First of all, Lady Danbury would be stomping on people with her cane if yeah. they dared to snub her. Right, she would call them out. Because, she would look, take that cane and Lady whack Danbury them. has like a little black book of all the things that people have done. She knows <laughs> shit. Do you think that's that true. she would have taken that? She wouldn't have. I'm sorry, and she let would people not snub her. No, she, she would have like written them off. No, I agree. She'd have been like everyone. Ignore this person who just tried to snub me yeah. because, like, they're no longer in society. And I told Justin right before we started recording, I'm like, look, it took me forever to watch episode eight. But I did enjoy episode eight because Je- episode seven was so crushing to me because that was the snub, it snub was. It was episode. Like, oh, no, we can't be together. We just have to pretend that our families are great. And, hey, Kate and Anthony, don't make eyes at each other. I'm just like, just have I know. I'm like, like what's the going scandal on? has already happened. Just I was get so married. lost, and I, that's episode like, seven was a waste of time. It was. Period. I was period so lost, and waste it's like of time. we finally got to the sex scene. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm not even. Why okay, are they? Out the I gazebo? enjoyed the sex scene. Let's let, let let me say this. Okay. Also, I've not given my full thoughts on season two. I actually, as a whole, I was able to separate the book from the show, and I had a fun time with the majority of it. But I had, I was disappointed in some of it. I was half and half. But I. I wasn't I didn't come out of season two hating it. I just was like, I wish it was more like the books because I think it yeah. would have been a smoother story. But I also kind of really enjoyed it because I did think that when Kate and Anthony had their moments, their secret moments, yeah. you know, secret moments whispering to each other. Yeah. I thought it was hot when Anthony was all like whispering in Kate's ear and like, tell me you don't have feelings for me. And I was like, oh my God, she does. <laughs> like, I was like, she totally does. And I loved it. I loved because I felt like they – I felt like they had good chemistry. The show just wasn't letting them do anything with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They didn't give them enough moments besides these secret moments. Yeah. You know? I, they didn't yeah. give them enough lighthearted moments. We had one pow-mow moment where they got to laugh with each other. They needed more of that. And we That's had more of that. That's what I needed. We had more of that. 
in the book. Yes. Like yes. I was talking yes. to somebody had direct messaged me and like, oh man, I really wish that the scene from the book when Anthony, who after he's married to Kate, he's been trying to avoid Kate. He's like, <laughs> okay, during the day I have to go to my club at White's because if I if I stay home, then I'm gonna want to be around Kate. So like, <laughs> then I'm gonna to want to go. be with my wife. And then he finds himself one day, like after a couple weeks of that, coming you know earlier um, around like tea time, and he's trying to figure out a way to drink all the tea on the table so that he can just drag Kate towards him. And so he keeps asking Kate for more tea and biscuits. Yes. And she's like, shall I call for more? And he's like, no, 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 this is fine. And it's just so cute because they have such a lovely moment where he offers to give Edwina the dowry, right. which was the big sticking point in the book period. Right. And like, he's just like, no, I'm obviously going to dower her. Like, she's my sister now. And she's so grateful because that was one of their biggest worries. And it was such a great moment yeah. for them to connect that way. And obviously, Anthony is getting closer and closer to admitting his true feelings for Kate. And so I think that's what, what for me, like, we don't have any of those small moments. And I think they said in the show in season three, we should get some of that. But I'm just like, we didn't need to drag it out for yeah to, for a whole season like yeah like now i want to move on i'm ready to move on to another what couple they should have done <laughs> this is my critique of the the season two they should have started to set up benedicts uh, me too they should have i kept waiting a for it ball i was waiting the for it period yes they had this whole weird thing where benedict was taking opium and then like painting shit and like he and got then just sleeping school, with his models but, but he got but he got word that anthony actually paid for a spot over there which honestly was great because it's like oh anthony like supports his brother but like also it was just a dead-end storyline for benedict like, i thought it was terrible happened. like i lo- loved benedict in season one this one i just thought he was like like honestly a fucking waste of space like he was he was funny but like his storyline went nowhere. it was sad it was really depressing well i me. my comment in my um vlog of each episode was are they trying to make benedict addicted to drugs yes wine he's becoming like this like depressed loser or something Artist like cliche. just like right somebody who drinks and does drugs and does art like that's such a cliche well and they also the made artistic him seem, people are on drugs and right. can't stop drinking they also made him seem incompetent because he couldn't get it on his own his brother had to buy his way into the academy and i was like that's really sad like i was really happy for benedict that he had something for himself yeah and now you're saying no he didn't i know you and know obviously, and it's like and i mean like i get it i get the gesture because after when <laughs> Anthony is still trying to impress Edwina and he's trying to ask Benedict, like, how do you read poetry? And Benedict comes out with this beautiful, like, original yes. piece. And I was like, damn. And Anthony goes like, wow, Benedict, like, I didn't know that you had that in you. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I really like that moment. Me like, too. a lot. Like, a lot. And that's why Anthony did it because he was like, man, my brother does deserve <laughs> to go to this art school or whatever. And I understand what they were doing. But also, like I said, I feel like that storyline went nowhere. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Like, what but are they going to do with I don't with know. That? It depressed. It's made me sad. But also, you're also one more time emphasizing what I love most about season two, and that was all the family moments. Yeah, the family so, moments great. For, so I'm just going to say, overall, I was very disappointed in the Kate Anthony romance. I thought that the way that they directed Kate was too angry, not enough softness. I needed more softness to believe that they were falling in love. It's like enemies to lovers is great, but at some point it needs to be lovers more than enemies. The thing about enemies you know? to lovers, the the greatest part of a book with enemies to lovers is when you see the characters being vulnerable with each yes, other. Like that's exactly that's, because you've been watching them be contentious the whole time. So right. it's like when they're vulnerable, it's like <gasps> yeah, like amazing, you know. And that's the appeal of enemies to lovers 100%. is that breaking point where it's like oh shit, now we have to now we have to start admitting that maybe you're not so bad and i don't remember that happening <laughs> you know like they they do smile at paul mall but they don't have a moment he gets up and sees well, his no, father's it's, grave it's, it's and storms even, off it's not you know? even just after it's like after that their interactions when they're having their private moments it's just like you're so vexing you're so infuriating it's like yell 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 and then whisper 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 and it's like (laughs) you know it's it's just a pattern it's never it's not like a gradual like oh we see their we see their attitudes start gradually changing right it's it's very it's very one note the whole yeah, moment until exactly. all of a sudden one at note. the end there's it's no like, contrast. Oh no, now we're now we're friends right. and lovers and we're getting married. There's now. no and contrast from the anger, the enemies part until we get 
basically in the gazebo and this super sexy scene. And then I enjoyed, like I told Justin, I put off the last episode because I was like, I'm just not interested. But then when I finally watched it, I was like, okay, I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy like seeing them. They were the most soft toward each other and loving toward each other in the very last episode. Yeah. And that was nice to finally see because I was kind of hoping more of that earlier on. Now, I will say, I mean, like, and I, I think that, I mean, there could have been like a quick fix if you will so i had a couple people comment on my video my review of season two being like they didn't like in the last episode when kate is in her um like coma after getting hit in the head after falling off her horse um that anthony never went to visit her and i was just like you know i understood why he stayed away because it was ptsd kicking in like he didn't want to watch somebody else that he loved die and he was avoiding it he was he was using avoidance and just like denial 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 it's not happening and i really loved the moment when violet walks in and says she's awake and you see like him just be like oh my god break down that was one of my favorite moments it was so good and i loved it and that was was, enough for me that was good that was beautiful that was beautiful. But I wouldn't have minded if he went like late in the afternoon when nobody was there and visited her and held her hand and like said his feelings to an unconscious. Oh Kate. god, that would have been. I would have loved to hear him pour his heart out yes. to her. I would have loved just that moment. Why didn't you direct that last? I don't know. Why Justin? didn't I? So <laughs> I would love that. I would have loved that. I, it would have been really great because it's like, oh, it's all the things that he's left unsaid. Exactly. And he find, exactly. If he realizes it could mm-hmm. be too late, so yeah. he needs to get it off his chest. Right. I would have loved that too. I agree. I, I wasn't mad at the fact that he hadn't gone because I was very understanding as why he wasn't going to see yeah, her yeah but i didn't also love when she woke up she was just kind of like the only reason why he wants to marry me is because we slept together i was like Aw. well and then he finally comes and she's like i'm going back to india and i'm like motherfucker i'm like we're like, in the last y'all, episode y'all, last no. episode guys now we have to be on the same page <laughs> and y'all have to no. fucking love each other and be nice i was like guys you're not going to do this in the last episode. I'm like, you're fucking with me. At no this point. more denial. It was ridiculous. You know? It was ridiculous the way that the showrunners wanted to separate them until the final hour. I was just, like, yeah. no, babe. It's the same thing, like when, when you and I, re- when we are like talking about the books that we love the most, like we need those moments in books of romance of seeing them bonding together. You know, we don't want them to get together at 95%. We want it's to like, enough. yeah, we need to see more of the love before that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, I understand if they're going to be background characters, like more involved, obviously. Yeah. Daphne was limited in the amount of scenes that she could do because it's like, how do we explain a way that Simon's no longer <laughs> yeah. here? She's just, she's just toting her baby around. Yeah, she's just like, okay, we're here for a visit real quick because my husband's too busy to come right now. And they say like, that he might come in the next season though. He I might come back. That was an April Fool's joke. Really? <laughs> I thought it was an April Fool's joke. Could be. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind him coming back just for like shoot a couple scenes. You don't have to commit. I know. Come in for like one episode and just like, you know, be with your wife to I would like to see like, yeah. I agree. I agree. I don't know why he's like gone. And for I, understand I understand why Kate and Kate and Anthony would be a little bit more involved in all the Bridgerton's storylines because all the Bridgertons live live at the Bridgerton right. estate. So yeah. it would be, it'd be understandable that you would see more of them. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Anyway. And they are. They're in for season three or whatever. I'm like, lock them down. Lock them all down. Um, uh, yeah. Now they're going to finally so, give us soft moments. I'm like, okay, yeah, too late. Okay. So let's quickly talk about like the other characters. So we talked a little bit about Benedict. Let's what talk about, about Eloise, Eloise and Theo. Okay. Quickly, let's talk about the parents of Sir Philip and Marina. So in the book, I don't want to talk about it because too much because Juliet is. Like, I have not read it. I bought I the book. Either have not read it or I don't remember anything. No, so I'm about to read it. I'm gonna start we reading. We see Sir tonight. Philip briefly, and it's such a. It's just in general show wise, it's such a kind of weird moment because it's like Colin's still kind of obsessed with Marina. Yeah, and he goes there. And it's just so awkward. And the Marina's just kind of like, stop living in the past. Move on. I am married. And I, I have really kids. hated like, that moment. It was just like so – I was just like, it why was... do you even like her, though? Me too. I didn't so love sad. her season one. So I was already just kind of like, Colin, what in the hell? Why but is she does say something important to Colin and says like, you know, you really need to look – closer to you like you have people who care about you and she and he's like who and she's like penelope like fucking idiot yeah like (laughs) Like, dude he's she's in love with you but he still doesn't get it he's like oh yeah she's my friend (sighs) colin colin so that was that was weird though the way that they did it's almost like he kind of 
you feel like he had a revelation after Marina said that because then he sees Penelope at a ball and he's like talking to her and like just been like, you're always there for me. Love. They even like, dance. He's oh, like, let's dance. dance. They have and this then dance after together. At the, same, at the same moment, he goes and talks to these random douchebags and says like, I could never marry Penelope. They're like, hey, I see you pursuing Penelope Feathering. And he's like, I would never, it ever pursue her. It doesn't happen like that her. in the books. His brothers are, like, teasing him, and, like, he's just like, no, I would never, like, it's not like that with me and Penelope. I wouldn't She's my friend. Penelope. Yeah, exactly. And it was, like, it was a conversation for brothers. It sounds a little less callous when he was just, like, his brothers were teasing him because the brothers have a very teasing yeah. relationship. Right. They egg each other on, and it was more understandable in the books. In the show, he's literally to these randos. Random like, guys. I would never... I would never pursue, ever pursue. Like, he is so adamant. Like, I would never, ever pursue her. Like, and it's just, like, almost like telling the guys, yeah, she's not worth it. And so she overhears this and runs off crying. I'm like, you motherfucker, Colin. Colin. Like, what a dick move. Mm. Look, Colin and Penelope are some people's favorites. They're not my particular favorites, but I did enjoy (laughs) their book. But they're not, like, my end-all, be-all couple. But I'll be interested to see what their season would look like. Um, Um, I am nervous about the Eloise Theo thing. Eloise Theo, but, like, okay, so the Eloise – okay, let's talk about what happens at the end. Eloise discovers that – that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. Yes. And Lady Whistledown had written about Eloise meeting this guy alone unchaperoned, this printer's apprentice. Like, yeah. So lower class than her, <sighs> which class, is obviously like yeah. the big faux pas. And the reason why she did it in the show is because the, the queen, queen was on was to her. Suspecting Eloise was Lady Whistledown. Right. And Eloise was. Freaking out, like, how am I supposed to convince her? Like, it's not me, but she believes it's me. And so Penelope felt like her only course of action was to write about Eloise because they made it a point by saying, like, oh, the author has never written about Eloise. And that must be because it's her. Like, she would never write anything bad about herself. The whole point about Lady Whistledown, she literally writes about everybody. In the books, Penelope writes about Penelope. She writes about herself. Yeah, she writes about And her, how ridiculous her, her clothes are. Her, herself, her sister. She yeah. writes about the Bridgertons, too. Like, she doesn't <laughs> spare anybody. She doesn't say anything, like, horrible and nasty. Like, not, like, in the show. It's like, just, like, yeah. It's just, like, little things, you know? But their showrunners are making drama. So it was sad because you see the breakdown of a friendship. Very at the close end friendship. of season two. That was heartbreaking. That was really the thing that broke my heart so the most. it's kind of strange because they're combining... Penelope and Eloise's story and they're taking things from Colin and Penelope's book. So I'm like, I don't understand what they're gonna do with the storyline because Well, they're making Colin's it they're story, making a big drama llama. I mean, it's like way more dramaful. Like Colin you know? likes to write about his travels. Yeah. And he feels inferior when he finds out that Penelope is Lady Whistledown and has <laughs> this big following. And so like and there's a, a contentious, yeah, there's a, con- like, oh, you're a published writer, and you've made all this money, and, like, I feel like a fraud. And so it's, like, it's almost like they're taking that animosity because Penelope accuses Eloise being, like, you're just jealous because I've actually done something. Yeah. They're taking, like, Colin and Penelope's story, and they're putting it with Penelope and Eloise. It's weird. Yeah. So, I'm like, what are you going to do with Colin and Penelope? Something completely different, obviously. And is Eloise really going to have, is really, is Theo really going to, is she going to marry, like, you know? Well, Theo and not Sir Philip. She's very against marriage and she's very against society and the ton. So I don't, I don't see show Eloise meshing well with the book version of Philip. (laughs) Period. I just don't see it. It's the book version of Eloise wouldn't behave like the show version of Eloise. So it's very hard for me to be like to even speculate on how they would bring those two together. Like, I'm I have starting, no idea. I'm going to start that one tonight, and I'll let you know how no I feel. Because I want to read it before it's all blasted in Bridgerton world. Because I really want... I, y'all, I know it's very strange, but I feel like I've read all of the Bridgerton books except for hers. <laughs> And I don't know why, because I went to I went to I went to check it out, and I'm like, it has not been bought. Now I used to read in paperback when we read Bridgertons a while back, but I don't think I've read this one. So anyway, I have it now. It'll be interesting. So yeah, we don't understand what's going to go on with any of the future Bridgertons and their love stories because it doesn't seem like they're setting 
any yeah. of them up to correlate with the books. Now, does, does this mean that we will not be watching season three? Of course not. We will be... We will be the first people there. We <laughs> will be on tenterhooks, as they say, waiting yes. for the next one to see what happens. It's just that, you know, one of the biggest things that I said going into season one, season two, is that I wouldn't hate it. Like, it'd be hard for me to absolutely loathe the show as a whole, Unless they change the love interest. Like, that was my one big sticking point. Like, the reason yeah. why I don't want them to change the love interest. And some people are like, oh, but, like, Theo's a better fit for show Eloise. And I'm just like, well, that's not the point. Like, I want Eloise and Philip because I'm attached to Eloise and Philip. Right. I have read them multiple times together. They have been with me since I first read the series in, like, 2013. Like, they have been characters. I can't wait to read it now. I'm so like, excited. Could you imagine, <laughs> like, a big IP like, big IP, quote-unquote, right. like, a sci-fi adaptation, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, if you're fucking with the relationship yeah. in there, it'd be like, people would be, like, enraged. If yeah, if Aragorn with like went that. with the blonde instead, yeah, instead of Arwen. Yeah, okay? So I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I'm, it, when you fuck with something so much, like, the core of it, yeah. it's obviously... It's too much. So I'm just like, the, no. the My only stickler is that, like, I can see they're making Eloise very much into a blue stocking, you know, character and, like, you know, you know, anti, you know, establishment and everything. And so I feel like it would make sense for them to direct her into marrying, you know, outside her class because that would be the big, like, you know. But that's Benedict's story is marrying I outside know. of his class. I know. I like, know. Benedict is marrying outside of his class in the books. That's <laughs> exactly. the whole point. Whole point. Exactly. And it's great. It's fucking great. And I love Sophie. I'm very mad that they did not have a masquerade ball because in the books, it happens a masquerade like two ball, years before. And then two years later, they meet again. Yeah. So I'm just like. Yeah. Exactly. They could have set it up. Benix was so good. Oh, dumb, okay. dumb, dumb. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so those are our feelings on Bridgerton season two. <laughs> My consensus is that I enjoy it as a show. I see its major flaws, and I wish it played out differently. But I still actually, I rewatched some episodes. I was like, okay, so I like this stuff sometimes. I concur. But then they sometimes do something really dumb, and I'm mad yeah. at it. You know. I concur with everything Justin said, except I'm not rewatching. But Dude, everything like, else, I do. It's like my time is precious, and I'd rather <laughs> read the book. I know, and I've been watching. I watched Sanditon instead. Yeah, which yeah, that's another episode. Totally yeah. another thing. Absolutely different. <laughs> I'll be ready for season three. I'll be ready. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and we look forward to the next one where we'll be talking about All Scott and Bothered by Kerrigan Byrne. Thanks so much for listening. This goes out to all the fangirls. Life's better with a little H-E-A.